feeling quite sort of fear today. Yeah. And it feels like, um, like a feeling of almost terror at the pit of my stomach. And it's kind of like the things that I thought I believed in aren't really true. It's bringing this massive wave of fear. And I'm really not sure how I work with it. Mm. Um, very common, okay, very common. Um, can you say what kind of things are feeling like they're not true? Or? Uh, so I started off with, um, when I was tuning in, the sensation of, um, of, um, so what I'd normally consider pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I tuned into it, and that sensation, what I'd normally consider pain, but instead of, you know, calling it pain, mm. I kind of looked deeper into it. And when I looked deeper into it, it was just kind of more of a sort of throbbing sensation. Mm-hmm. And then I went even deeper into it, and I actually found it really pleasant, mm-hmm. very pleasurable mm-hmm. sensation. My brain was like, whoa, mm. wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it turned out to be completely the opposite of what I thought it was mm. gonna what my mind had made it. Mm. So it kind of blew my mind in a way. <laughs> and then it started making me think about lots of other things in life mm. that we make that are man made constructs basically. Mm. That aren't really which we based our lives on. Mm. Which aren't really true mm. <laughs> on that level and it's I think it's freaking me out of it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, w- wonderful, beautiful, and and you know can can be really an edge there with fear. I, if I just ask, what m- may at one level sound like a silly question, why would that freak you out? I don't know. It's just, it's more the fact that it's this fe- I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach. Okay. It's a feeling of terror. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that's that's the f- I'm struggling to okay, think, yeah, deal so with not, that feeling. It's not really a mental thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. So, like I said, it's very normal. Um, we are, you know, emptiness. It, we're in the business of pff, questioning our our assumptions about reality that have remained unquestioned, mm-hmm. and and this is a process of going deeper and deeper into that. Mm-hmm. Now we base our life on what seems so solid, so seems so obviously real. Six whatever a billion people agree on it everyone agrees we trade we do business we get in relationships all this stuff all this stuff's very real thank you don't question it come to look deeply and to whoa and not quite sure what what's the ground to stand on mm-hmm. so another word for emptiness is groundlessness okay so um of course that can you know that that the, the ground goes from underneath me and the pit of the stomach you know just as if the ground really went. That's what happens in the pit of the stomach, you know. Yeah. There's that fear sensation. And so it's very, very common with deep practice. Um, and not, not at all a problem. It doesn't need to be a problem. So when or at the times when the fear is very strong, then you need to kind of turn to the fear. Let go of all the impermanence business and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Turn to the fear and meet it. You know, meet it with kindness soften around it, open to it, meaning this this mm. sensation in, in mm-hmm, the tummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what's really good with fear is um, giving it space. Okay. When there's fear, uh, actually with a lot of the 
fear is a form of aversion. Mm. And when there's aversion, the mind, the consciousness contracts mm. everything. So if I can approach this feeling in, in the pit of the stomach and um, really give it space, meaning the physical sensations that are unpleasant, mm. really open up the space and allow them to be there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they're bubbling away in there, and they're just. But there's there's a much bigger container for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we usually do with <coughs> with fear <coughs> is uh, part part of the part of the actual makeup of fear is this constriction around it, making it. It's, it's got a small space. Uh-huh. Fear can. So we're opening it up. And and letting that bubble unpleasantly. So when we have fear, we usually have fear of fear. Do, do you see? So we're, we, the f- sensations of fear are so unpleasant yeah, yeah. that we flee them. Uh-huh. So we're afraid of the feeling of fear. We have mm-hmm. fear of fear. At the very least, we have aversion to the fear. Mm-hmm. And that that fuels the whole process. That's this gasoline on the fire image that mm-hmm. I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I make a lot of space, a lot of space for the sensations, and really allowing them, um, that can really... Uh, kind of undermine this process of pouring gasoline mm. on it. Yeah. So that's one piece. Mm-hmm. Now if it's really, that's if it's strong. You okay right now? Yeah, it was pretty strong. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what if you give it space right now? So open your eyes actually. If, or see which is easier, eyes open <coughs> or eyes closed. <coughs> it closes easier? Okay, to give it, so you're letting space, uh, you're opening up the space of consciousness. And then these these unpleasant sensations in the middle of that. But there's there's you're really allowing them, allowing them to be unpleasant because there's lots of space for them. There's a real sense of even welcoming those sensations. You know, they can be there. They're just some unpleasant sensations. Lots of space. Bubble away. So you're letting them be unpleasant and letting them bubble up, but there's there's um, a much bigger container for them. Yeah. How does that feel? Mm, yeah. Good. Okay. So so when it's fairly strong, that's an option. You work. You forget about the environments <coughs> or that. Work directly with the fear. If it's really, really, really strong, <laughs> stop practicing. I mean, not permanently. Just, just. Just for then, you know. Um, fantastic hailing. Um, you know, y- you want to have a feeling like you're in control. Mm. You're not on a, on a, on this manic, out of control <laughs> roller coaster ride, and you don't know who the hell's in charge here. Um, you're in control of practice. If it really feels like too much, you open your eyes, you stop, you think about shopping or taxes or <laughs> some ridiculous thing. Just take your mind off. You go for a walk. Uh, just, just uh, you. You want to have the sense that you're in control. Do you understand? Okay. In other words, uh, well, you're in control in the sense of you. If you're feeling it's difficult, you don't have to rub your nose in it. You don't even have to stay sitting. You can, like I said, open your eyes, 
just relax, just look around you. You can sit in the meditation or just look around you. You know, stop doing stop doing the impermanence practice. Stop doing <coughs> stop doing that kind of um, intense intense practice, mm-hmm. and just just chill out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you can always, of course, go back to the meta practice if you want something mm-hmm. that's more soothing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, everyone we were saying this fifty fifty. If we go right back, well, I don't know when it was. We're saying part of the functions of the samadhi and the meta are to create a kind of cushion, mm-hmm. so that when when sometimes we uh, it feels a bit intense looking at the emptiness or the impermanence. There's actually this sense of okayness that's pervading the inner environment, and you can you can keep kind of stoking that that warmth and that that cushion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the meta towards yourself, you just generally just generally meta. Yeah, whatever whatever feels helpful. You just shift gears and go into a much softer gear mm-hmm. where you're where you're you're um, encouraging a sense of nurturing, comfort, ease, warmth, well-being, relaxation, mm-hmm. calm, etc. Rather than this, you know, impermanence practice is kind of like a burrowing. Sometimes, not mm-hmm. always, not always. Sometimes, especially when I'm doing it directed, like mm-hmm. at one thing, at pain, it's a kind of burrowing. Um, and so you're just shifting and really opening up and, and being, being useful, yeah? Okay, yeah. But you can also, like I said, just stop, just get up, go have a cup of tea, you know, just chill out, mm. just chill out, you know. So there's always that. That's in a way you you have. A, what's important is that you have a sense that you are in control. You can put the brakes on when you want. You can pull the handbrake on. You, you know, you can mm. get out of the car and lock the keys, and you know, all, all of that. You understand? Okay. Now. Sometimes what happens, so there's really, really strong fear, and you just switch gears or, or chill out. There's pretty strong fear, and you can work with it um, in that more spacious way that we just did. Mm-hmm. Then there's also, and th- as time goes on, what, what gets more common is the fear may get less. So there's times when there's fear around, but it's just not that strong. Okay? And it's part of the mix of what's going on. So, then, like a lot of other things, what often happens when there's something difficult in consciousness is we get pulled into that difficulty. Mm. And when the fear isn't that strong, it might be really interesting to metaphorically sit back and have a look at what's present, the totality of what's present. You Mm. probably realize that there's fear, Mm. but there's also this loveliness around that you can actually even feel somewhere in the body. So it might be pit of the stomach feels like this, but mm. maybe somewhere else. After all, that came from a sense of um, penetrating the unpleasant, it turning to pleasant, etc. Mm. If if I if I don't have much space in terms of looking at what's going on, all I notice is the fear. I get pulled into the fear, and I start pouring the gasoline on the fire, getting entangled there, and it gets bigger, and it starts taking up everything. Mm-hmm. But very often in practice, fear is just one element of, of a bigger mandala of, of what's what's there. And and I see, ah, oh, fear is a part of what's going on, but I just have some space around it. And I just, I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm absolutely not trying to get rid of it. I'm not trying to ignore it. But I, I can decide in that moment, oh, okay, well, I could go into the fear, and that's always an option, and work with it skillfully. Or I could just kind of let it be there, let it be part of the space, but just lean over more, a little bit, into the loveliness of, of what else is going on, if, it's, if the fear is not that strong. In other words, there's usually a mix around. Is this making sense? Yeah. The, the, there's usually a mix going around, and I don't have to get automatically pulled into what's difficult. 
sometimes to go to what's difficult is extremely skillful and helpful, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm just not in myself. <coughs> in that. Okay. The better, you know, see, I see I've got these things, two things going around. So I, just, I lean over into the, into the lovely mi- part of the mix, and especially physically, feel that physical loveliness. Yeah. And it's almost like something is being communicated to the cells, to the cellular intelligence, mm-hmm. that's reassuring you that this, we're on the right track here, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it, the loveliness itself starts to calm the body down, even if that loveliness is not very remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts to calm everything down. And eventually, um, one can let go into that groundlessness, into that spaciousness, into that emptiness, more and more. One realizes that it's, it's uh, slowly, slowly, generally speaking, one realizes it's not a problem. So sometimes I make the analogy with people, it's like um, running a really hot bath. And you run this bath and then you're not sure, is it too hot now? So you stick your toe in, you go, well, that's okay. So you stick your foot in, that's okay too. And then maybe your calf. And then slowly, so you realize it's okay. And then maybe eventually you can just completely abandon yourself in, in this emptiness uh, with total surrender. And you, you know uh, that's completely trustworthy. There's n- no danger there. There's uh, only beauty and healing and uh, peace and, and freedom, etc. For almost everyone, that's a journey. Almost everyone. So what happens in, in the context of deep practices, fear comes up at times, sometimes it's strong, sometimes it's just a little bit, sometimes it's not there at all. Um, and, and one works with it. Some very, very small percentage of people have no fear whatsoever and just, yippee, and they <laughs> dive in at the deep end. But um, my experience is that's a very small percentage of people. And for most other people, fear will come up uh, because we're challenging our assumptions of reality. This is, the, this is the edifice, this is the construct that we've created, and this is what we're used to, this is, delineates our f- area of familiarity, our sense of security, all yeah. of that. Yeah. And it's a bit like, you know, sometimes people have been in prison for a really long time, and the time comes for their uh, release, and they start, whoa, you know. I was thinking about that as well, with yeah. Shawshank Right, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what you're describing, I mean, I'm going to it at length because it's so common and, it, mm. and it's important, mm. um, but th- there will be this <coughs> range of the experience of fear, mm. and, and you, you kind of choose an appropriate response dependent, and always remember the function of the metta and, and the samadhi as kind of uh, cushions, cushions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, does it feel more from that, or is that okay for now? Yeah. Okay. Good. Say more. I'll, I'll repeat it. Don't worry. Yeah. You said love is uh, everything. Um, my question uh, was coming from around whether I am love and if I am empty. Love appears to be a movement. 
Love is not a mind state, yeah. And something around um, no, this I've got some um, like a clarity around love and life and death and Be all those things. Is it separate to consciousness? Can you hear at the back? No, you said you were going to repeat. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 we we feel not quite sure what the question is yet. <laughs> um, what love is, and is love separate from consciousness? Okay, and is there something about love being empty, or, or is that in there as well? don't know that ultimately you know what love is ha- has an answer e- even it, it's a word and, and words kind of um, we decide what words mean and what they denote you know and, and, and so there's there's a way that if you really go deeply into any concept it, it begins to kind of lose its edges and lose its definitions um, and love is certainly one of those um, so I'm not sure that there could be an answer of what love is, or maybe there are just infinite answers of what love is, and that's a better way of putting it. That you, you can't really limit the definition of what love is. Um, so, you know, sometimes the mind wants to put something in a box, and sometimes it's helpful to put something in a box because it gives us a sense of direction and a sense of what what it's helpful to follow. 
So, um, experientially, I want to have a sense of which is the way of love and which is not the way of love. But already on the retreat, you know, uh, we'll be experience, we'll be having different experiences of love. Even even in one day, the experience of that is very. This has come up, you know. Sometimes it feels very human. You know, I wish you well. Sometimes there's this uh, kind of pervasive mystical sense of love that just we're all sitting in love. Sometimes the sense is we are love. I am love. You are love. Sometimes the sense is of love as something flowing. Sometimes of something static that's holding. So you know, it, it's all of that. Um. So there's a way that you f- one feels experientially um, wh- whether something is following a thread of, of a sense of what love is, an experience of what love is, in a way that's opening the being out, that's, that's helpful in a way, and you can feel that. Um, and if that involves defining love provisionally as part of that, then that's great. But there will always come a point where where the definition crumbles or or it goes beyond that. Does, it, does that make sense? Is that, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so there's, there's another question that Sam asked as well: is is, is love the same as consciousness? So, um, what order should we say? Let's take this one first. Is love the same as consciousness? So, if I'm just talking about the the experience of love, which, which is uh, much more important than if you like, the definition of it, really, ultimately. Although definitions can be really helpful, like I said, in kind of pointing us in the right direction, or directions that are fruitful, we should say. One of the experiences of love can be that it actually gets much more subtle. Uh, so one, obviously, one experience of love is passionate, burning, you know, uh, lots of fiery, you know, uh, feelings, etc. And that's obviously lovely and beautiful part of being a human being. Another experience of love can be um, that it's it's much more um, vast and kind of calm and spacious, and it just kind of is in the same way that space is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's a sense of um, sometimes with, like I said, l- the love opens out and it feels like it embraces and includes everything. It's almost like everything is in love. Yeah. Similar thing can happen with the sense of consciousness, uh, especially as we let go more, as we go deeper into the practice, and and with these ways of letting go, the sense of consciousness somehow being in here, looking at (coughs) something there, um, that begins, we, we start to see, well, that's one way of feeling what consciousness is, and there are lots of other ways, and, and another way of feeling what consciousness is, is very similar, that actually it's infinite, and everything is in consciousness. So that sense of consciousness, which can open out in, in that as we let go more and more, uh, in a way we're not... This construction that we're doing, when we don't let go, when we cling, we're, we're defining the self, binding the self. We also end up binding and defining consciousness and everything else. So everything gets quite small and compartmentalized. As we let go more and more, things open out. One of the things that opens out is the sense of consciousness, or can, at times, open out. So that sense of opened-out consciousness, um, it's almost like consciousness is vast, that contains everything. That's very similar to that sense of love is vast and contains all things. Sometimes people just get a sense of space opening out. And and you can even... Um, it's It's like space containing all things, uh, or consciousness containing all things, or love containing all things. 
and you start to see it's almost like you can see it different ways this this you almost color that experience in different ways at different times because sometimes i can see that it's love holding it's almost like that's what i um that's what my perception filters out filters sees the space as sometimes it's awareness or consciousness sometimes it's just space sometimes it's silence i think that's just the, the universe is 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 pervaded by silence and everything is resting in this great and unfathomable silence and they're all kind of slightly different slants on the same opening out of perception what the buddha might call perception attainment so that's a, a really really uh that to feel that can be really really um beautiful and transforming to hang out in that not just a one-off experience but to hang out in that and, and find one's way back there repeatedly um, immensely transforming and one might feel very much like one has uh, stumbled on or revealed a, a really deep truth of existence that love is consciousness or consciousness is infinite or love is infinite and all that and there is a real m- mystical level of reality where that is really true and there may come a time where uh eventually one goes beyond even that and sees that that too was a kind of um, more subtly and delicately constructed perception. And one goes beyond that and, and there's different things that can open up but eventually um, even the concepts of love or the concept of consciousness even begins to crumble. It, 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 uh, it cannot sustain itself as a kind of... When we, when we say, when we have a word, love, or a word consciousness, the the intuitive sense with a word of anything is that this refers to something real and independent. And, and if you go uh, deeper and deeper into the practice, there's a sense of that crumbling of concepts, love or consciousness. Such. You could say they melt into each other. You could say they go beyond anything that the conceptual mind um, can can try and get its head around, so to speak. So for me, there's a journey with all of this. If I go too early and just say, if I just say, love, love's empty, you know, a big consciousness, that's a waste of time, that's just some mystical rubbish, you know, that you, whatever, um, I will miss all, all the beauty of that and all the transformation and all the, all the way that works on the heart in such a, in such a deep way to open things and, and transform one's sense of existence in life. So to throw that out too early and just dismiss it as just a meditation experience, it's just some mystical you know, nonsense, that would really be a mistake. To stop there as well, that would really be a mistake. And, and so this is it, hang up my, my boots, that's the final reality, I've arrived at that, that's it, I figured it all out then, it's, it's this, that would also be a mistake. So for me, for me there's, there's a kind of journey there, and um, some, some sense of keep, keeping the questioning alive, but letting things do their work on the heart. I have no idea if I've answered your question or not, but... Okay. Okay. Um, So, you know, one of the skills of the Buddha is he has this analogy, it's quite famous, of the raft. And so these concepts, love, consciousness, you know, even impermanence, you know, impermanence isn't ultimately true. That's not the truth of things. It's not true that things are impermanent. Uh, it's obviously not true that things are permanent. Things are neither permanent nor impermanent. And the mind goes, huh? Because things are empty. 
So, but but we use those concepts because I said when I said yes, there are ways of looking, and I pick up that concept of impermanence, and I pick up the concept of love and metta, and I follow it in practice, and it does something to my heart, and it does something in the understanding, it unfolds something, it 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 unbinds something gradually, gradually, and I'm using these concepts, and eventually the concepts themselves dissolve. But I have to use the concepts because those are the concepts that lead in the direction of. The dissolving of concepts. You understand? Um, what, what can be beyond? <laughs> <laughs> God, infinite. What can be beyond infinite? Um, what can be beyond infinite consciousness? Um, Um, experientially, there's quite there's a number of experiences that can be beyond infinite consciousness. I mean, um, I don't know if I want to go into it now, but but um, I'm not sure if it's worthwhile to say. You know, j- just that there there is something. It's like uh, I think the important sen- the important thing for me is a sense of feeling one's movement without trying to define exactly where we're going it's like feeling where am I now and if that's the sense that's opening for me in my heart and that's what's exciting me and that's what's kind of wow this this sense of consciousness being something infinite or love being something infinite I don't want to hurry through that and say oh I've heard there's something beyond that so I'll just you know kind of I need to linger there linger there and like I said let it let it to do its work on the being very very deep and some people linger there for uh, years in fact um, some people you know not so long or whatever unfortunately some people stay there they just pitch a house there and that's it done you know nothing more to question nothing more to um, that that would for me that's that's a that's a you know that, that's a sad mistake um, but there's a sense of being excited by what you're excited by and letting that do its work and not Leaping too far ahead of of way, but um, yeah. yeah, it's okay. I'm not sure if I answered that about is love empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if we talk about this construction business, um, <laughs> um, this is the. Is, is in the realm of what I didn't want to get so much into on this, or, or I wasn't planning to get so much into on this retreat. But um, if I, what's the opposite of love? Hate or anger? Mm-hmm. You might say aversion. Sometimes when you're in the throes of aversion or something, you really you know, really angry at something. Um, there's a sense that that's just that's it's it's the reality of what's happening. It's really real, and it's you know. Again, if we, if we have this a business of, of going, uh, moving the range of, of the mind state into and out of states of love and metta, whatever, and on that spectrum, of course, anger or being you know really upset about something is is one end, and this you know very um, kind of effortless love is is at another end. Um, at first, when we do the metta. I can't remember if I said this in here or just in interviews. It seems like we're really huffing and puffing and constructing something. I've talked about this, right? Um, when I construct 
less self, um, I see also that um, it takes more effort and more energy and more construction to be angry than to be in love. So we could say that if we're, going back to Nina's thing, if we're in the business of kind of deconstructing, letting go of constructing, actually, um, although love is empty, it's less constructed than something like anger, which might feel more real when we're in the middle of it. And at first with Meta, people, we said this, I think it was yesterday or some point, first people hear about Meta and they think, well, that's just ridiculous, that's just a construction. You know, you're, you're, the real thing is what you're feeling in the moment. That's what's really real. And, and may, maybe it, there's just that there's a habitual lot of construction going on with that. I'm, I'm used to constructing a lot of problem, etc. But I, I haven't seen. And because I'm used to it, I assume that I'm not constructing it. But I'm just used to that kind of construction. Do, yeah? Does it more, more come out of that? or how, Does more come out of that? No. For you? How, how does it... If we say, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really going in that direction. Ah, okay. You know, I, I don't know what direction I was going. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't. Yeah, but it's fine. Okay. How? Uh, what was? What felt behind the question of whether love was empty? I don't know. It just popped up. Okay. Yeah. It good. Sort of, yeah, yeah. It's a really important, beautiful question. Yeah. If we say love is empty, <laughs> is that disappointing or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything is empty. Then love must be empty. Okay. Too many. Someone's disappointed. Some. Someone's not. What did Hannah say? It's disappointing to the personal ego. Okay. More terrifying. Also, maybe it's the fear that the beautiful experiences you've had of love are not real if it's empty. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah. Is Catherine going to talk about this more tonight? She might. She might. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this is. T- we, we can re- keep returning to this question. Um, I, th- I threw out one thing in 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 one of the beginning talks that. To see the emptiness of things is not a disappointment. It's not a disappointment. Sometimes when we say it, it, it feels like, oh, but that means it's not real, or that means it's like it's taking the the juicy bits out of life and kind of flattening it all and just it's all empty. And um, it's not that. Um, but shall we revisit it? Is that is that okay? Um, Sorry. Well, I'm just wondering if yeah, someone sure. who, who hasn't. Uh, can I ask um, about effort? Effort, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have a tendency <coughs> to over effort. Yeah. Um, and it just seems an impossible. I don't seem to be able to get around it. Um, I try too hard. Um, and. 
and then I, I get all tense and tight. And um, and I I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a long habit, this, of over-efforting. Uh, and I think it is something to do with, I feel that if I'm not actually doing, then it can't be, nothing's happening. You know what I mean? Is that a thought, or...? It's a thought, I'm Okay, sure. yeah. It's a habitual thought. Mm-hmm. That if I don't, if it's not, if it's not me doing it, then it's not going to happen. Therefore, if I if I if I want anything, I'm tying myself in knots here. If, 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 if I don't put loads of effort and energy mm-hmm. into it, mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen. Mm. Um, either experiences or letting go or all that whereas I know from experience again deep down that that one you know one has to open and relax and let go Mm -hmm. you don't get it through effort Mm. but I still have this Mm. which goes in my head yeah yeah I I don't know Um, I think I think Catherine is definitely going to talk about this time, right? <laughs> this is de- yeah. But I'll say something now. Um, the, the the question of effort, as as a meditator, uh, you cannot get away from it. It, it. it it's going to be there. It's there every sitting, every walking. It's we rather than kind of wishing it would go away or ignoring it, we have to include the question of effort. Um, Every sitting and every walking, it's an alive question. It's an alive dimension or aspect of the pra- practice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, we just wish that it wasn't. We wish that we didn't have to deal with that. We wish that we could just set the dial on uh, five, which is, <laughs> sounds like a nice balance number, and go into cruise control. Um, and that would be what we would wish. You know, why can't it be like that? She not got cruise control to <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Unfortunately, because we're human beings and things change and things are dependent on other things, it's not like that. So I I, I, I think it's really important to, it's like, acknowledge that one needs to be sensitive to the effort dimension, kind of in an ongoing way. And that means, uh, as much as possible, throwing out preconceptions of either, you know, and you hear a lot of preconceptions in these kind of, um, you know, uh, environments, like, you know, you've really got to sweat or nothing will happen, versus you can't do anything, you know, don't do, non-doing is the way to go, you know. Mm. To me, that they're both just um, extreme views, con- conceptions that are hardened into. Um, actually, what happens is, in any moment, can, can I be sensitive to what's helpful here? Not, not in my ideas, but actually feeling into it. So one gets a felt sense in the practice, sitting, walking, standing, whatever, a felt sense of the kind of effort level and whether that's helpful or not helpful. Um, now that gets more and more subtle as, as we go you know, more subtly into practice. But th- oftentimes people get something here if, and, and is it, oh, I wish that wasn't there, but actually it can be a really helpful indicator of when we're just too much 
too much effort. And it's just telling you back off just a little bit. Doesn't doesn't mean go and have a cup of tea. It means just back off a little bit. Just back off. Just what is it to what is it to stay focused on whatever you're doing in permanence, or whatever? But just take your foot off the accelerator pedal a little bit. Okay. And, and conversely, if if you know one is n- nodding, it's such well, it's gone too much. You know. So there's a sense of sensitivity. Um, too much effort will be manifested, uh, one of the ways it will reveal itself is some kind of contraction coming into the, the sense of the body. And it could be in the head, could be elsewhere, but it's like sensitivity to the body, as we keep going on about it, it tells us so much. And when that gets tight, it's sometimes because the effort is just... And then what is it to just back off a little bit? Um, so I think to be open to really experimenting with that in a very tangible way is rather than have a view of this or a view of that or uh, like that expect it to to be there and so this the question of balanced effort like i said it's not you put the dial on 5 it's it's not static it's always shifting what was right effort this morning may well not be right effort this afternoon or even at the beginning of the sitting compared to the end of a sitting or you know 5 minutes later it's it's just so I'm going to say, you know, practice is like surfing. It's another thing I know nothing about. But um, <laughs> you, you stand on a surfboard and... And, uh, <laughs> and well, how am I going to fall off? I'm going to fall off if I don't respond, right? Here I am, the waves, and I'm trying to... If I just stand there, you know, I'm just going to basically fall off, basically. Um, how to keep one's balance is one responds, one responds. One's constantly in this... Re- so it's, it's, a practice is like that. It also is part of what makes it fun. I mean, just standing there on a surfboard is not much fun. Part of the fun is, is, the, is the responsiveness. So it's quite, it's quite subtle. And, um, and, play with it. and actually, Catherine's going to talk much more about that tonight. So. <laughs> What's that? Surfing. Surfing, yeah. Because yeah. I... A number of times, I, want, I don't know if this has got anything to do with it, but a number of times I've been a bit too far away from base and looked at my words, oh God, I'm going to be late, you know, I'll never get back in time. For a sitting or Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, <coughs> hurry, you know, and I start, and of course get really worn out and my foot hurts and I have to keep stopping and the clock's ticking by. And then, and then I, I kind of thought I have to do something different. And, um, so I started to think, well, make make the going pleasurable. You know, the actual moving. The walking back pleasurable. Yeah, yeah. make mm-hmm. it pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and forget about trying to get back on time. Yeah. Um, and, because I used to do a lot of mountaineering, and, and it's like you, you can walk in a way which is... is the body feels really lovely, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the movement. Yes, exactly. I've never been there yet. Okay. It's just that relaxing that, yes. having to get back. Exactly. And and having the actual process be pleasurable itself. Yes, yes. I actually went much faster. Very I didn't good. get tired. Right, and you can beautifully put, and you can uh, transfer all of that to, to a sitting practice or a walking meditation. It's the same deal. And that's, that's part of it's like... Letting, letting, getting the sense of enjoying the practice. Mm. When I let go, it's enjoyable. Generally speaking, I mean, you know, brought up fear, etc. Sometimes it's not, but generally speaking, letting go is is enjoyable. So I just follow that. You know, I just follow that. If I'm thinking about 
over there where I need to be, where I'm not yet. Very easily the inner critic comes in, the self-construction in relation to this goal, and, and it's, it's lost the immediacy and the joy of actually what it feels like to let go. And practice is basically different ways of letting go. And that feels, it, it feels good, or it can feel good a lot of the time. So you can find real ways to transfer that in, into, into the moment of practice. Yeah. I'm just um, trying to limit the time. Did you know? Did you didn't say? I that? didn't say that. No. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, it's like I'm having more of this experience of kind of basking in love. Mm. And then when I'm doing the contacts, when, when when you introduce the bare contacts. Yeah. Just felt like kind of going into a cool pool. Yeah. Um, and then now we've introduced the impermanence practice. It feels more like I'm having to do something, mm-hmm. and I'm really resisting it because I, I'm, I was enjoying the mm-hmm. basking. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so I don't really know what to do because I think there is a way that I do that gets kind of like those was describing very. Yeah, and and I can't, I'm thinking, well, should I just kind of carry on basking because that's new and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear the bit? Um. I could get too, too looking for the impermanence. You know, it, it gets too. Do you see the impermanence when you look for it? In a very obvious way. I don't feel like I'm seeing anything subtle. And I'm seeing, you know, bird song stops, mm-hmm. foot moves. Okay. Land. How does it feel to see the impermanence? In other words, when, you, when you're staying at contact, part of the reason staying at contact feels nice, as we said, is because we're not constructing so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's part of the reason why it just feels good because mostly what I construct is is feel, then feels heavy. I feel imprisoned by that. And, um, so in a way, you want to begin getting the same sense that seeing impermanence unlocks something. It unlocks something. <coughs> um, if I'm if I've got a self construct of I need to be seeing it more subtle. You know, then that's actually I'm constructing something that's mm-hmm. already making the practice, making the doing quite heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so so it might be similar to what Rose said. It might be finding a way where you actually being in contact with impermanence. You you, f- you feel a sense of freedom with it, a, f- a sense of space come in, um, and and tapping into that is he- is helpful. Um, there. Oh, We touched on, I think it was Julia asked a question once about doing and and non-doing, and there's this way that doing in practice can get demonized and completely shunted out, and then it fits what we might hear, oh yeah, non-doing, and it sounds, you know. um, But sometimes it's just that the self has crept in, in a way that it doesn't have to, and it's it's causing pain there. I just uh, 
I w- if you're enjoying the basking and the staying at contact, I would definitely do more of that. Mm-hmm. And from that place of ease, you know, gently introduce the impression. In, in other words, really take advantage of what feels good. Mm-hmm. Really, really linger there because it's doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gently at times introduce the impermanence thing. And just watch out for the self, if the self is coming in, in a way. Or just if, if we go back to what Rose was saying, it's just the felt sense of things getting too tight in, in the doing. And if it is, it's like you just relax, like you just take the foot off the pedal a little bit. Um, but you can stay at impermanence. And there's a way you, you just begin to feel, you can sense the freedom coming out of it mm. a little bit. Okay, so you know you're on track. Yeah. What, what tells us we're on track, generally speaking, is a sense of relief, release, freedom, spaciousness, etc. Okay. Yeah. Um, is, is the impermanence practice, is it? Feel like it's useful, working, interesting, helpful. <laughs> this half of the room. <laughs> it would pass anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a problem. Okay. Uh, I, I'd say a bit like Juliet, but maybe not so uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I'm watching things. Well, actually, I think, I'm not sure if this is relevant, I think I'm watching things change. When I really look closely, it's not that they're changing, I'm seeing lots of moments that yeah. are different from each other. Yeah. And I think, well, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't have any kind of feeling of freedom or expansion, just, uh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so, um, <laughs> like I said, with these three characteristics, you know, different ones are going to unlock unlock for different people um, if all there was was moments separate moments that's all there is what would that mean? it's <laughs> <laughs> a bit conceptual isn't it? mind starts going what does that mean? but what's wrong with conceptual? I don't know it just feels like it's not an because ex- I can relate to what she's saying so it's not an experience of that liberating um, understanding or insight. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of more of a, oh look, it's just a lot of moments. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Okay, so, um, well, there's two things. One is a way of picking up that question in a way that it starts actually having some power to it rather than just being a conceptual question. So, yeah. um, But another might be, Again, it's like, with these practices, so I shine the light here and I look at it in parents. I shine the light there and I look with impermanence. And um, sometimes the self can be hiding in, in the doing of the practice. Or as Jane said the other day, the one who sees, the one who, who's looking. And what would, it, would it be possible to, to shine the light on that? Do, do you understand? It's like the, the self c- can be a little bit untouched by by being, mm. you know, just seeing all this stuff that has nothing to do with itself. So I just sit here and I'm not challenged at all. Mm. Um, what would it be to start turning turning the light of the impermanence on on the sense of self, on the sense of that looking even? How would I? Do that? Would it be like 
who is looking that kind of person. And that's my well, put it this way: When you're sitting there and you and you're looking at moments, what what is the sense of self at that point? Where is the self sense? Okay, I see. You know, do you see what I mean? You can look at body dissolving or, or whatever or something happening, but there's a sense of self somewhere. Yeah. This goes back to that concept <coughs> introduced quite early. It's like paying attention to the self-sense. Mm. It might have gone quite subtle, but it's happily happily there, undisturbed, doing the practice and watching all this. And it's, and it's a very... It's interesting you say that, because now I realise when I'm watching the clouds or taste, there's a very strong sense of observer. I'm like a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Much stronger than normal, in fact, because I'm really looking. Okay, very so good. Yeah. Be why it feels so neutral. Yes. Yeah. So, t- to me, oh, I'm not sure if I should say this, but I don't feel the impermanence one of the three is is as powerful as the other two for mm. up- uprooting that self as observer identity. Mm. Um, but have a go with it. It's like what gives you the feeling of an observer. So in a way, there's some sensations one has of being an observer. And it's like, what if I saw the impermanence of those? So it's like everything gets... Uh, uh, Are you saying the impermanence of being the observer? Because I'm having the same problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm saying, okay, fine, so I've got, you know, one hour closer to my death, etc., etc., but I'm not feeling any liberation or freedom. And I'm noticing I just had that meal, it's never going to happen again, da 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 but there's no... I want to make an observation. Um, when I started this practice, um, I, I, which I did, I don't know, two weeks ago, um, I, re- I thought that freedom would be like great wedges of freedom. And actually, it varies quite a lot. So freedom can look very, you know, look very, very subtle. So there may be freedom there, but you may not be seeing, may not be seeing it. Yeah, thank you. Very good. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Also, I was having a very shitty day today as well. Yeah. Okay. But but so so, right there, Ruth. It's like having a shitty day. Okay. Um, I think one of the uh, thing I threw out right at the end yesterday was okay. So we have a sense of a shitty day, a sense of you know whatever it is, and one of the things with the impermanence is like looking at that really closely and seeing I can't find this shitty day. I can't, it seems obvious I'm having a shitty day. When I look at it really closely, what I, what I see are, are moments. Um, and some of them will feel shitty, maybe, and some of them won't feel. They, they will feel quite neutral or whatever. And then this, this heavy, solid concept, felt concept of a shitty day that I'm having, it begins to be uh, punctured and begin, begins to become much, um, uh, much more spacious, much more light. And in that will be a relative sense of freedom. It's like, when I, when I feel I'm having a shitty day, there's quite a sense of constriction, etc., around that. When, that. when I see mm. that, actually, it's not really that. It's, it's just a moment, 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 moment. Look, look very different. Um, that's, diff- that's a very different... Well, it's still impermanence, but to reflect, I'm having a shitty day, but tomorrow will probably be better. That, that's still helpful, but in a way, I still believe that today's shitty. 
um, versus looking really closely at today, like under a microscope, and I realize it's not really a shitty day. It's I'm having lots of moments moments of very, very differing kinds, and I'm drawing the dots between selected moments to create the felt sense and perception of a shitty day. And that's that's what I mean by using the impermanence practice to really... <coughs> so you can, you, you can angle it in all different ways, but y- you can look in, in ways that start... Um, exposing the non-solidity of, of things. Yeah. I'm a little bit aware of time, because I don't want to talk too long and then you guys um, have too much words today for because uh, Catherine's talking later. So, um, Jackie wants... You, it was just a tiny comment. That, yeah. that I, I think what I'm finding it more difficult to do is sustaining mm-hmm. the impermanence practice mm-hmm. compared with the meta, okay. which, you know, is occupying in every sense, isn't it, for the emotions and the mind is yeah. occupied. Yeah. And I think it's in, it, because I'm finding the impermanence harder to, to sustain, there's more space for self to be constructed. Okay, okay. Yeah. What feels hard to sustain with it, that it's... It's, again, it's something about the, 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 the effort, mm-hmm. that you, you can be in a situation mm-hmm. And it's it's like well I've done that bit now you know I saw the clouds move or I mm-hmm. it's okay if I'm walking because that's okay um, you know there's, there's movement there yeah. and that, that's, there's something in there okay um, it just feels as though it's in little pieces which get completed <laughs> completed yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what if one were to just for example choose a sense door. And just stay continuously with the change in that sense door. Not so, not this object and that changes, and then that object and that changes. It's just the fact that there's nothing but change in in this sense door, or with the totality of one's experience. They're so just sitting right now, and it's like there's just change. Everything's changing, and just staying with that sense of of change, um, rather than this and then and then that and then. <coughs> Everything is changing except for painful sensation in the back. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's too painful, move. You know, move. So we still want kindness here. So all this is happening in a climate of kindness. Okay, um, but again, anything that I pay attention to really closely, we'll, we'll talk about working with pain. But anything that I pay attention to really closely, if I put it under a microscope, it will change. It will be changing. So I can say, oh, this is not changing. It was here It was here ten minutes ago. It's still here, etc. But I, if I really penetrate it and look for the change there, I will see that it's changing. Uh, it worked for me last night because I was working with one leg. And every time I went back, because I went to each toe, and yeah. then I went up very slowly of the leg. And each time I went back, it changed. Yeah. Every single yeah, time. Yeah, good. I did it about five or six times. I thought, no, it's never going to change. <laughs> 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 it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah, very good. Yeah. And or, or one can just really stay there and watch it dancing, watch it appearing, flickering, etc. Et and that that uh, so in a way, I, it's almost like if I sustain the attention and probe it, it will, it will reveal the change. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Jackie, that that is possible is. Um, one could actually go hunting <coughs> for this <coughs> lasting self through the impermanence practice. Instead of clouds changing, it's like the fact that cloud change doesn't really bother me. Clouds can change and I'll stay myself. You know, it's like big deal. Um, 
But what if I look inside, so to speak, and I can't find anything that doesn't change? And then it starts to kind of mean more in, in that sense. So that's a, a possibility too. It's like, hunt this self down. You know, anything that... F- you know, we have this sense of self, okay, find it. Find it and see if it's something that feels permanent in the way that it, we intuitively feel it to be. And that's a way that can make it kind of more, perhaps, compelling or, or sustainable. <coughs> yeah. And then that has an effect on the feeling Oh, Which other stuff? Well, then when you, <clears throat> then when you're looking at impermanence in the world around you, yeah, outside of the body, yeah, then the other stuff becomes suddenly more interesting. It has more of an effect. When you first look for the self, yeah. and then you look outwards, then there's more of a sense of That's the mine. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, there will be. Yeah, yeah, because it's something's opening up there. Because yeah. it's, my experience is it's quite, it's quite profound when you feel it, because I'm feeling it in my cells. Yeah. That feels. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And in a way, this impermanence here and that impermanence out there begins to be just one big dance of impermanence, not really separate. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Um, things out um, they really came out of a couple of interviews which I just thought they would be useful for everyone so um, going back to the beginning and, and mention this concept of self-definitions and um, uh Sometimes one uh, discovers a particular definition of oneself, a, w- a way that one's been defining oneself. I am a failure. I am, um, uh, uh, I am this or I am that. I am someone say I am this contraction in the body. I am whatever it is, and and there's a way. Um, there's a way that sometimes those definitions are operating and they're not fully conscious. They're not, we're not fully conscious of them. And sometimes they just get revealed to us gradually um, what they are. Sometimes, um, you know, through asking the question how I'm defining myself, they get revealed. But if, if, you, if that's happening, or one is emerging, or something like that... Um, it can be really interesting and really helpful to kind of write it down or speak it out loud or say it in, in the mind very clearly. I am a failure. I am a failure. I am, um, I am this contraction in the body. I am uh, an angry person, whatever it is. I am useless, I am hopeless. Um, And actually say that really, really clearly. Maybe even say it really clearly many, many times. 
and write it. You can even do like, did you get that punishment at school where you write lines? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am, the, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes in an interview, a person says it, and it's kind of like, say it, and, 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 and put the words out, and it's like then they're hanging there in the air. And when they're inside and not so conscious, it's like that very semi-consciousness of them, they can, they can kind of snake through the circuits and, and have their power and do their work. And when they become, become more conscious, like they're hanging there, and then it's like some other part of the being looks at them and says, well, what do I think about that? <laughs> what, is there another response to that self-definition? It has more space around it, more, uh, it it's, it's viewed more objectively. Does that, that make sense as an, as an exercise? You, you may want to play with that. Um, but don't push it if nothing's, nothing's uh, presenting itself. And if, if it goes a bit pear-shaped and you start believing it more, what do you do next? <laughs> Come and talk to us. <laughs> Cross it out. <laughs> um, yeah, it, there's, some, there's something about... The, saying it, or writing it, and, and looking at it, it, it creates a kind of distance to it, a, a space. And, and uh, But certainly if it doesn't work that way, yeah, obviously you can't come and talk. Um, now someone reported in an interview uh, something quite interesting too. There is quite a lot of heaviness. Uh, I can't remember the word they used for it. It wasn't heaviness, it was something else. Quite a lot of heaviness. And then that's that's it's common for this sense of heaviness to be there inside and around that then gets this self sense and self definition that that's kind of who i am and so used to that and so oppressed by that and so defined by that and then experimenting with the awareness being more spacious opening out to listening etc and noticing and ask you know What's the sense of that heaviness when the consciousness is more spacious, when you're going to listening? And the sense is, well, it's not there. The heaviness goes, or it's not so. It's it's much lighter. Now, to me, that's that's absolutely fascinating and really important, because the habitual assumption, uh, understandable, but that come out of delusion. No, that's really who I am, and that heaviness, I might not be in contact with it at some times, but either that's because I'm in denial, or, uh, you know, it's there waiting to present itself. And again, this could, this, sometimes it's not fully articulated with clarity that that's how, what we're believing about, about what's going on. And that's one way of looking. But, a scientist would shake their head at that as, as a kind of... That, that doesn't hold water. You see, this experience of heaviness appears when there are these conditions. And when I take, uh, for instance, contracted mind, when I take those conditions away, there is no heaviness. Is that, is that a matter of denial? Is that a matter of pretending something doesn't exist? Is that a matter of something going into hiding? Or is it just that that thing itself is dependent on conditions in the present moment? Do you understand? Mm. 
We have to be very... This is actually, I could give a whole talk on this, and it's, it's quite... A, we have to be a little careful here, because obviously we do carry things from the past at times. But maybe, another way of talking about the emptiness of phenomena, a thing cannot exist without being supported in the present and by certain conditions. And without those supports in the present... It does not exist as something, some monster inside me waiting to come up and bite, or something that needs to come up and w- whatever. And, and it can, one can be so used to, to assuming a certain independent, inherent reality to what's inside, um, uh, ha- having some kind of independent existence. It's I think our beliefs about ourselves are like a constant condition that we can't. That's one of the conditions. In this particular instance, what the condition was contraction of mind versus spaciousness of mind. When there's contraction, that's a condition that feeds something. But very good, Jackie, because a belief in ourself is also another condition. Now throw in that, and that's a pa- it's like, like it's a, something else, like throwing a grenade in there. It's not a neutral thing to have a certain belief about myself. It's not just, I just happen to have a belief that I'm a complete uh, evil monster. But that doesn't make any difference to him. <laughs> of course it's going to make a difference. Or that I'm a failure, or that this thing will always be around, or whatever. So the beliefs are very potent conditions in the present that determine what arises. Um, as is the, the openness or closeness of the mind, etc. So this, this is quite a different way of looking than um, most people might be accustomed to. It's like just watching this over and over and over. What's the reality here? One can assume, and, and, and with that assumption, a, a lot uh, it has a lot of weight. Does, does it make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying it very briefly, but I should really it should be a whole talk because it's quite complicated. And I don't want to. If, so, if you're feeling something quite strongly like that, is going to a spacious state quite a useful experiment? Because yes. Is there likely to be some contraction around that you're not aware of? Yeah. When there's something difficult, there's extremely likely to be a contraction. Uh, and that contraction is not... We'll talk... Well, we may or may not talk... That contraction is not a neutral element in the mix of experience. It's, it's, a, it's a conditioning factor that's... that's Creating in the moment and shaping in the moment what's what's occurring. Like I said, it's not just it just happens to be that I'm contracted around this thing. No, the contraction is part of what's going on. You know, the gasoline and the fire are, are one. Please, Jan. Yeah. Please. Yes. I had an interview with Rob, and it was about that really stuck sense of self. It's like talking to Rob, I really got got how deeply I was holding the belief. And uh, I came away from the interview and and I said, I thought, I did a a process with myself and I was like, is it true? And I sat and I really, it just, the whole thing just dropped away and I just, I saw myself as a small child when I didn't have that thing and it was like a when that happened there was like a whole new set of experiences that came into my being and it was just it was it was it was really it was like really amazing to see that kind of 
it, it was just, it was like you said, it was like Bob said, somebody comes into a room and they say, they say you know, I'm a turtle. <laughs> and you just, you can see that they're not a turtle. <laughs> you know, and you say to them, I really hope that you get to see one day that actually you're not a turtle. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was really helpful. It was just so helpful. Just, it was like, and it was that thing, it was like naming it, you know, naming it. I believe this. And then coming away and, and you know, doing this process. And I did the I believe thing, but I also did, you know, is it true? And then, and then getting, um, to, you know, um, experiences, memories, whatever it is where it's not true. Yeah, beautiful. I Good. just really seeing where it's not true. And then it was just amazing. It was, it was like, I thought it was like, well, it's, it's like being told that Johnny Depp was five foot two and then meeting him. <laughs> you know, actually, he's six foot. I'm never ever going to believe again that he's five foot two because I've seen. <laughs> I've seen that he's six foot. So you're not going to convince me that he's five foot two anymore. Right. Yes. Very good. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, beautiful. That, that sort of like. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, the ridiculousness of this person thinks they're a turtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted yeah. to share that. It may be helpful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, that's yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I was wondering because I got a note earlier from Jane, and it just said, "I'm not a turtle." <laughs> 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 The patients are doing very well. <laughs> um, but I thought that's what it might mean, so thank you. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, we need to end, but just, just to add to that, you know, the, the process of... of how how we get kind of liberated, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes there's these things just break and, and that's it. And sometimes we get a glimpse of something and it goes back and forth into kind of more contracted, more open. Um, uh, and it's more it's more gradual like that, more kind of back and forth. And sometimes it's like it just a piece crumbles and it doesn't come back, you know. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, exactly. But you've glimpsed something. And that's the important thing, and that, that builds the confidence, and, and you found a ways of working as well. It's just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so let's um, have a quiet moment together. <coughs> thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.